Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah, and I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage. And tonight, we continue our series in the Book of Romans, and we will begin Chapter 5 this evening. If you would like to join in our conversation, or if you have questions or would like prayer, we have call screeners standing by, and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. I want to give a shout-out to Ronald this evening, a radio listener who visited us in church this morning. Thanks for coming by this morning, Ronald, and thanks for listening. Pastor Matt, let's invite our listeners to our service for next Sunday because we do have a special event coming up. Absolutely, and it's Father's Day, so we invite all the dads, but we invite everyone, Mm -hmm. Micah, because we're going to have a great revival meeting starting next Sunday at our church. That's June 18th, Father's Day. We'll have evangelist John Van Gelderen. And so come on out, dear friends, to 490 Hudson Street on Sunday morning. The revival meetings will begin at 10 a.m. We'll have one service at 10 a.m. and then one service at 11 Mm -hmm. Mm a.m. And... We've had Brother Van Gelderen before, and he's a great Bible preacher. And then Monday through Friday, we'll have services as well. So that's, what, June 19th to the 23rd? And those meetings will be at our Heritage Ministry office at 633 3rd Avenue. So if you can get over to Grand Central Station, it's just a stone's throw from there at 633 3rd Avenue. That's between 40 and 41st Street. And the services each night will be there at 715. Mm. If they have more questions, they can give us a call. We can give more information a little slower so you can write it down at 929-333-3739. Definitely call us, dear friends, and definitely visit with us. We would love to have you. You're and giving you're, well, The information is also on our website. And it, it mm-hmm. is definitely there on our website. And it's a very... There was a great revival, prayer meeting revivals that were that started in New York City mm-hmm. in 1857. Yeah, when a basically unknown of man named Jeremiah Lanfears had a noonday prayer meeting, mm. and those things spread throughout the city, and then throughout the East Coast, and then across the country, and and across the pond into Europe, mm. and that God greatly used a revival at an important time in our nation. Just mm-hmm. that's pre. Civil War, yeah, and w- we were a nation that needed to turn back to God, we- and we're even more desperate yeah. for a turning back to God. Mm. Revival is the only hope for America's survival, dear friends. We need to return to the Lord. We need to repent from sin and turn to Jesus and let him cleanse us and heal, heal us, heal our land, heal our churches. Mm. Yeah. And so may the Lord... Lord, please send that revival. Yeah, and I just love, even this morning we had a mini revival service because we had a special uh, guest pastor. And one of the things we were doing is just praying for our unsaved loved ones. And you you had, um, you know, mentioned that we should do that this morning. And then we did, you know, after the service. And that's something else we can do. You know, if you if you need personal revival, yes, come. But if you need the revival within your family, within your friends, within your small group of loved ones, come on out and be praying for them as well. Right, and because we're going to talk this evening, Mike, about the certainty of salvation, and I was I was just thinking about that that 
when it comes to salvation, if we have unsaved loved ones, that's really one of the biggest trials we walk through, yeah. through mm-hmm. life with, yeah. and we can't solve that problem. Right. Only mm-hmm. Jesus Christ can ultimately take care of these biggest uh, God-sized trials in mm-hmm. our life in that sense. Yeah. And, and He is a God of salvation. So that's true. If you have a loved one, a family or friend that you would like us to pray for tonight Mm -hmm. and just pray for their salvation, you give us a call. We have some real women of God who love to pray at 929-333-3739. I I just want to give a quick shout-out to a dear brother named Neil who's listened to our radio program for many years, Mm. and he helps us out every Tuesday at Grand Central Station. We meet, and we have a track ministry there from 2 o'clock to 3.15. So if anyone is around Grand Central Station on Tuesday afternoon from 2 to 3.15, we're there most regularly. Now, this week I won't be there. I'll be out of town. But we'll be there and uh, sharing the Word of God and I want to thank Brother Neil for listening and for helping us out in that. And tonight, Michael, we have a great mother-daughter duet yes. with us tonight to help us in our conversation as we talk about the certainty of eternal life. And so we have an accountant and we have a dental student. And we have a Bible scholar. Maureen, you're a Bible scholar too, aren't you, sister? Because <laughs> you're a graduate of the Heritage Discipleship Institute. Anyway, nice to have you, Maureen. <laughs> huh? What did you say? Practically a three-time graduate. Yeah. Well, uh, pretty much a three-time graduate. She <laughs> has taken the classes more than once. But Maureen, say hello over there. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Glad to be here tonight. <laughs> Get the energy going, sister. Okay. So, Maureen, give a, give a word about the Institute. What would you say to someone if you feel that it's worth encouraging someone to take our Institute class? How have you benefited from this time? Um. Well, the, in the institute, we learn uh, so many different things. We learn, um, we study Bible history, which is um, yeah. something very important, mm-hmm. and we also study the geography because I've, I, and that is very important as well. Because um, in order to understand a lot of the things in the Bible, we have to understand their culture mm-hmm. and the geography, yeah. Yeah. and so looking at at the reading, the studying the Bible, and looking at this through the history, the geography, and all their customs as well makes the book comes to life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then we study the epistles and the rest of the Bible, and it's so... The, it, the classes get broken down very, very... Um, into very small pieces that you are able to understand the Bible more comprehensively. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Maureen. Well, praise God. Yeah, and we'll be starting up again in September. If anyone would like to join in our institute, you're more than welcome. We also, you can be a a Zoom student as our classes are broadcast through our Zoom as well. So, and Rebecca, nice to have you with us. Thank you for being once again uh, with us on the Heritage of Faith Conversations. And you finished your first year at, at dental school. How was that? Um, it was very good. It was very new and a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to go back for year two. Yes. You didn't get enough, right? I'm very right? excited. I'm very excited. Oh, oh that is year. great. That <laughs> is great. Okay. Well, good to have you both with us tonight. And, Micah, we're going to read Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5 tonight, just a few verses. And the program we want to talk about is about the certainty of eternal life and how we can be certain mm. of the justification through 
faith in Jesus Christ and know we're on our way to heaven through him. So we're going to read Romans chapter 5, and I'll begin, to, I'll begin us with verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work of patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So, Lord, we thank you that we can be in your word tonight. Thank you, God, for all our listeners. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to talk about our justification through Jesus. And, Lord, we pray that you would open hearts if there is anyone not saved. And for those who are doubting their salvation, we pray that even tonight they would come to a certainty of eternal life through your work, not through their feelings, but through the finished work of you, Jesus. We ask now in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're certain about all kinds of things, and we should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm certain I'm a male. Mm. And sad, many people are not certain about, yeah. uh, about their gender, but we need to be certain about who we are. I'm certain that I'm a man. I'm certain that I'm a married man. There's no doubt in my mind that I'm married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know who my wife is. I yeah. only have one wife, and her name is Debbie Andrews Recker. And I'm also certain she's an awesome woman, you know, and there's no no shake in that for me, <laughs> that I married a wonderful woman. And Amen. I'm certain that I was saved by the grace of God in mm. April 1978 as a freshman college student, that I was born again of the Holy Spirit that day. And I still, there was an experience mm. in that moment of time when I was sitting on the third row at Welcome Baptist Church right outside of Clemson University. South Carolina, and the, the man who brought me to church as I raised my hand that I needed to be saved, he said, do you believe in Jesus? Mm. And I said, yes, I believe in Jesus. At that moment, I just sensed that the Spirit of God came into me. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to have that feeling that I had, but right. that's, that was my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and no one can ever say that I didn't experience that, and it was based on truth, and it was based on the work of Christ. And really, from that moment till now, I've been certain mm-hmm. of my salvation. And dear friends, we need to be certain of eternal life. We're all going to have a different story. Mm-hmm. Paul, the Apostle Paul's salvation story is not your story. It's not my story. Mm-hmm. But we all have a story where we can be sure. Don't you think Paul was certain of yep. eternal life mm-hmm. from that moment that, yeah. that he was saved there on that Damascus road? So this passage we want to look at tonight gives us three certainties that we have in Christ, that we have peace with God, that we have a pathway to God, into the presence of God, and that we have power through God. That's what this passage speaks of, the certainties of our Christian life, the certainties that we have having eternal life. Mm. You know, the Christian life is a strong hope. Mm. It's not a pie-in-the-sky hope. It's not like, well, maybe... (laughs) Yeah. it's no. not like that, is no. it? Firm no. footing, yeah. It's, it's a sure hope. Mm-hmm. It's a strong confidence. And the Christian life is Christ in us, mm-hmm. the hope of glory. And when we, are, when we have Christ in us, we can know that we're complete in Him, that we're saved by Him. And we need to know that we have this gift of God. Because 
this is this is how we have stability this is how we have certainty this is how when we go through trials we know that he's with us he'll he'll not leave us we we need to know that we have salvation don't we mm-hmm. so this passage tells us how we can be certain of salvation and so the first question I really want to just think about for a moment is can we have eternal security because there are certain denominations and even the pentecostal denomination does not as a denomination, does not teach eternal security. They say you can, you can be born again, but then lose it, and you have to be born again and again. Mm. And so we don't believe that. Mm-hmm. We believe we can have eternal security. Yeah. Some say that believing this is, is somewhat dangerous to believe. So is this doctrine of eternal security dangerous for us to believe? So, Rebecca, let's start it off with you. And What do you have to say about eternal security and... Is this something important to believe, or is it dangerous? Well, um, Pastor, I think that in First John, um, John says that he writes so that the believers can know they have eternal life. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think we can have eternal security and that God wants us to know that we are saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also wants to know if we are not saved. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctrine of eternal security may sound dangerous because some people might use it as a license to sin. Mm-hmm. But in Romans 6, um, Paul asks, and I'll quote it, um, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? So the doctrine of eternal security is supposed to lead us to worship and striving after holiness and not give us a license to sin. Absolutely, because really, too, as you said, Rebecca, the doctrine of eternal security doesn't make a person lax. It, it, it fills a person with gratitude yeah. to serve God mm-hmm. when we understand the grace of God then we'll be filled with gratitude to want to serve him and not use our salvation as a license to, to, to commit sin. Maureen, would you like to add to that? Yeah, um, adding on um, eternal security. If eternal security um, and eternal life was not real, then the Bible will say temporary life or something like that. But yeah. in John three mm-hmm. sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Mm. The words uh, shall not perish means if you believe in Jesus, Mm -hmm. you shall not perish spiritually but have eternal life. And eternal life and eternal security are the essence of the new covenant. And God wanted to assure us that once we are saved, we are always saved. And he gave us many passages um, assuring us and showing us that this transaction from spiritual yeah. death to spiritual life are true. And one of them is John 5:24, where it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent him hath eter- everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Mm -hmm. And so for a Christian to lose their salvation, if the Christian was to lose their salvation, that will mean that God will have to break his promises, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that will make God a liar, Mm -hmm. and and it will also require God to revoke his guarantee and to remove the gift of salvation and to remove our inheritance. Mm -hmm. And it will also, um, Jesus' work and on the cross and his resurrection will have to, uh, will mean nothing. It will 
then Christ will have died for nothing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And that this and having eternal security doesn't mean that there will not be false professions of faith, mm-hmm. because there are those who believe they're saved yeah. and they're not. And Jesus will say to them on that day, "Depart from me, I, I never, never knew, knew you." you. Mm-hmm. And First John chapter two says that there will be some in the church who then will leave because they were never saved. Mm-hmm. They went out from us because they were not. Uh, they were not of us. Yeah. And one other scripture that I could give real quick is in, in Hebrews, where the, where the writer of Hebrews says that the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. In other words, he wasn't saved. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Mm. So we believe that when you're truly saved and you're justified by faith, that you will be kept by the power of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Pastor, this is such a great question regarding the assurance of salvation and eternal security because we've had many radio callers actually call in and ask these questions as well. And surely the reason why Paul is addressing this topic in his letter to the Romans is because the early Christians were also asking these questions. You know, the first word of this chapter, therefore, it speaks confidently and conclusively about the Christian security and salvation. Another way you could phrase this this first part of the first verse is because you have been saved through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then the text goes on to list the benefits. Now, you also asked if the doctrine of eternal security is dangerous to believe, and as you and Rebecca said, the reason why some people would say yes is because they believe that if Christians have eternal security, then they're going to abuse God's grace and live freely in their sin. But you know, Rebecca read that, God forbid, that Paul says over and over, and the argument could be stated this way. If a person is truly saved, they would desire to live a life not of sin, but of holiness. And, you know, through God's wonderful grace, we can. And if the Holy Spirit is living inside them, he will convict them when they do sin and give them the power to live a life that is pleasing to God. Yeah, and and I find Roman Catholics especially struggle with this when we talk to them because they, they, they kind of, they've been t- so ingrained with a works-based salvation that they have to keep working and keep working and keep doing the rituals and things. And if they stop, they can lose their salvation or maybe even at best end up in purgatory, even if yeah. they're a good Catholic. Yeah. But the thing is, God doesn't hold a gun to our head mm-hmm. for us to keep doing, doing, doing and thinking that those works are going yeah. to justify us or yeah. merit yeah. grace from him. Yeah. The, the grace that we received is all in Christ, dear friends. And then when we receive that grace, we will want to work for him. We mm-hmm. have been created in Christ. We have been saved to do good works. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah, well, I just, you know, there is that term recovering Catholic. And the idea is there are certain people who just give up. They give up on this workspace. You know, they, they say, I can't do it. I can't fulfill yeah. all these different things. So they just literally give up and then start calling themselves recovering Catholic. And, you know, of course, there are people who claim to be Christians who also walk away from the faith. So we're not yeah. picking on Catholics here. But it does seem to be a particular emphasis in the c- Catholic um, church. Yeah. Uh, so, dear friends, our main desire is that you have certainty in Jesus Christ and that you're trusting in him and his finished work, not your church, not your works, not your baptism, not doing communion, or if you're a Catholic, you call it mass. We're not saved through these things. We're not saved through sacraments. We're saved through the through the person and work of Jesus. Amen. And when we're trusting in him, we can be certain. So 
let's talk about these certainties that we have through Christ tonight. The first is, we have the certainty of peace with God. Verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my understanding is peace is one of the most sought-after things in the world. Mm. Having this inner, people are looking for this inner peace, the peace of God. Mm -hmm. But the only way to have that inner peace, the peace of God, is to first have peace with God. Mm. And that's what he said. So here he's not talking about having the feelings of the peace of God. He's saying that you have peace with God, which is foundational to having the peace of God. So let's talk about that for a moment. And Maureen, if we could start it off with you. As, as I just read this verse, and the first part of Romans 5, verse 1, makes a very strong, bold assertion. I call it a, a strong assertion. So what does this verse mean, and what's the strong asso- assertion that Paul makes? So the strong assertion is this, um, where it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And to understand justification better, we need to know justification is God's answer to our predicament of being sinners. We have missed the mark and we have broken God's law uh, through not being conformed to it. And we have fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, because of this, we are alienated from Mm -hmm. God. And there is hostility between God and us. And we are under God's righteous condemnation. If you have not believed in yeah. Jesus Christ, you are under God under um, righteous condemnation. Mm-hmm. And so you are far from Him. So justification is the act of God whereby He declares the believer, uh, the believing the sinner mm-hmm. righteous, mm-hmm. the believing sinner righteous. And it is not our act. God is the one who justifies. Yeah. We don't justify ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in justification, God pardons us, and he forgives us for, of our sin, and he spares us the penalty of our sin. Yeah. And here, it's like here in the United States, it's like receiving a presidential pardon. When the presidential pardon comes down, mm-hmm. no one can ever convict you yeah. for the whatever crime yeah. you have committed. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, justification deals with our standing or our position before God and how he sees us. It has nothing to do with our feelings, like Pastor yeah, said. nothing. God sees the one who believes in his son as perfectly and completely innocent. And when justified by faith, we stand before God as righteous as Christ himself, for his righteousness is fully imputed to us. Mm, and yeah. this wow. means our salvation is strong and mm-hmm. sure, and we cannot lose it. Amen. Amen. You know, so, and I look at it this way, as if the thunderbolts of God's divine wrath were against us. But Jesus Christ took that thunderbolt of wrath upon himself on the cross. Mm. And then when we believe in him, this says, it says, Micah, that we are justified. That is a past completed action. Mm -hmm. And so we have to interpret the Bible even based on these verbs that are very important. It says, therefore, being justified by faith. And that is a past complete action. We have been justified. Mm -hmm. We are not being justified through our works. We have been justified through Christ and his work. 
Yeah, you know, imagine if you were an employee at your job and at the end of every day, your very difficult boss would evaluate your performance and then tell you whether or not you would have a job the next day. <laughs> you know, each day you would have to prove yourself as if you were starting from scratch. Well, that would create all kinds of fear and anxiety in you. You'd be constantly working from a place of desperation, hoping that you'd done enough each day to be counted worthy of your empl employment and you'd feel no peace. Well, Paul is telling us that in the Christian life, it's not like that. We can have peace because, as Maureen said, we are justified through our faith in Jesus. And Jesus described it like this in John 5:24. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And if a person has passed from death to life, we don't have to constantly worry that you're ping-ponging between the two. You know, once you're born again, as we said, we can have eternal security, and that brings us immense peace. Amen. And we have a call tonight from our brother Eddie, and he has a question about tongue-speaking and in the Pentecostal Church. So, Brother Eddie, welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversation Program. What is your question tonight? How are you doing, Pastor? I'm doing well. Thank you for listening and calling yeah. this evening. Yeah, you know, I told you when I got saved, I got saved in the Pentecostal church when I was 14. Mm -hmm. I got baptized in the Pentecostal church and everything. And, you know, I felt good. I felt like, oh, God love me. I'm, I'm in a new body now and everything. And then when they asked me the question once, do you, Eddie, have you spoken in tongues? I said, I never spoken in tongues. Mm -hmm. And they said, what? Never spoken in tongues. So, well, sister, no, I never spoken in tongues. I see people speaking tongues, jumping up and down in the Holy Spirit, but I never spoke in tongues. Well, I don't think you say, brother. I think you need to check your salvation. I'm like, excuse me. Mm. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm 14, 15 years old. I'm learning the Bible and learning, you know, about God. Yeah. So it was very discouraging to know. You know, I'm like, wow, am I saved? Am I not saved? Mm. You know. Yeah. Then when the church. You know, moved in that, pastor resigned and everything. I bachelor. Mm. You know, I said, well, if I'm not saved, why look for in the church? Right, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you put your faith in Jesus, in other words. You were baptized, but then because you yes. did not have this experience of speaking in some kind of mumbling language, that, that they were saying you were not saved. That's, that, you that was your, saved, that's what happened to you in that. Yeah, that, that, that's too bad. Okay, so here's why they teach that, Eddie. They, they have an expression in the Pentecostal church called the full gospel. Have you heard that? The full gospel. Yes. So they believe yes, that the full gospel is that Jesus saves, sanctifies, heals, and fills with the Holy Spirit. So that if you believe the full gospel, you'll be saved. You'll, your sanctification will be complete. Hmm. And how is that sanctification... Of, com of being completed evidence by you're being healed. Mm. So if you get sick, some and there's different degrees of Pentecostals here, you know. I don't yeah. want to pigeonhole every Pentecostal, but that's yeah. what, that's, what, this is what they say. And that being filled with the Spirit is the evidence of that in the Pentecost church as you speak in tongues. Mm. So to them, that's a part mm -hmm. of the full gospel. And so if you've not spoken in tongues, you've not experienced the full gospel. So I'm not saying all Pentecostals go to that extreme, but that's why some would. Mm. Yep, okay? that's why they said it to me. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. thank you, Eddie, okay. I'm, but I'm thank glad you. the Lord brought you out of that doctrine to have sweet peace in Jesus. Amen? Amen, Pastor. Okay, thank you, brother. God bless you, God Eddie. Bless. 
Okay. Yeah, so that's the strong assertion of Paul there. And then, Rebecca, the second part of verse 1 gives what I call a sweet assurance. So there's a strong assertion and a sweet assurance. So what is the statement of sweet assurance, and what are some of these blessings that we have in Christ? Um, Yeah, the sweet assurance is that we can have peace with God. Um, And before we were saved, we were alienated from God. We were at war with God. Our sin separated us from God. Um, But once we are saved and have repented, um, we can know that God is no longer um, upset with us and that he doesn't have his wrath against us, but rather we can have a sweet relationship with him, um, one where we can just talk with him and pray with him and listen to him, and it's not scary, but it's fulfilling. Hmm. Amen. You know, I look at it as well kind of like when two nations are at war and they sign a peace treaty. At first, they might not have real strong feelings of peace (laughs) toward each other, Mm -hmm. but if they sign that peace treaty, that establishes peace with them. They're mm-hmm. at peace with one another in the, in the host, a cessation of hostility. So when a person is saved, you've been at war against God. So you might not necessarily like feel the, have the feelings of the peace of God fully at, at that moment. But then as you live out that peace with God, just like two nations who are at peace, if they do peaceful things and they, they act in kind mm-hmm. and generous uh, in, uh, toward one another, then, yeah. then good feelings develop between those nations. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about this like in World War II. What were the, our biggest enemies were Japan yeah. and Germany mm-hmm. and yeah. Italy. <laughs> and those are three of our biggest allies yeah. today because mm-hmm. we had a peace treaty with them. Mm-hmm. And then we did things between those nations that then gave peaceful feelings between them. Right, right. You know? And so I'm just using that as an yeah. illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and just to go back to my illustration about employment, you know, if one is fully secure in their job, not worried about daily having to prove themselves, then all the work they do should flow out of a spirit of peace and security and confidence. And in the same way, because we have this assurance of our salvation, frankly, it's a blessing to then do good works for Christ and even with Christ. You know, Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So God is not only our kind and merciful boss, he's our loving co-worker. Mm -hmm. Amen. And Rebecca, did you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I I think sometimes think back to when I was first saved. Yeah. Um, like it's very vivid in my mind mm. that before I was saved, I was kind of for when I realized I was not a Christian, I was scared for a while because mm. I I knew that God's wrath was against me, mm. and I was like, oh no, if I die today, if I die today. Mm-hmm. But then I remember so vividly the moment that I was saved that I just felt this like at first it was like. I used to think it was just joy, like joy for the first time, Mm. um, true happiness. But it was also so much peace. I was no longer scared. Mm. And so it's like my mom has quite the good um, you've done something bad look. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, when you're young and she looks at you and you're like, oh, no. Um, But once you like finally make up, you know, you tell her you're sorry. It's just so nice (laughs) to have that relationship (laughs) restored. So it's similar um, that, you know, you know that God is no longer upset with you, but rather you can confide in him and trust in him. Mm. Yeah. And dear friends, you can. Thank you, Rebecca. That's beautiful. And dear friends, you can have that peace with God. And then as you experience that through Jesus Christ, by trusting him and him alone, then the peace of God can flood flood your heart. And I love what Paul says about the peace of God. He says that the peace of God 
that passes all understanding. Mm. And what that means is is that it is far better to have the peace of God mm. and the peace with God than having an understanding of why everything happens in this world or even why understanding why everything happens to us because we don't understand sometimes the trials we go through. Yeah. Mm. But even as we don't understand, we can have something better than that understanding mm. of why we can have peace mm. with God and the peace of God of God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's um, oftentimes, you know, when you when you encounter somebody who's going through something and they do have peace, you know, that is a, a you get a sense that they've been in it with God for a long time mm-hmm. and they can look back at their history and they can say, well, God did this for me. He did this miracle in my life. He brought me through this. I know that he's going to bring me through this trial as well. Amen. So we're going to go to a song, Saved by Grace, dear friend. And the phone lines are open. If you need to pray tonight with one of our call screeners. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. If you need peace with God or the peace of God, or you want to pray for family or friend that they would have this certainty of salvation, you call us right now because Jesus will save you by his grace. Yes, through Jesus' perfect holy name, we can have that salvation by grace, dear friends. Therefore, we're talking about tonight being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only do we have this peace with God, but we have this certainty, Micah, in verse 2, of a pathway Mm -hmm. to God. So let me read this verse. It says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So it's like there's a pathway for us to stand before God in his presence. And it says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So that's why I say we have the certainty of this pathway to God. So how does Paul describe where we are standing Mm -hmm. when we are justified through Jesus? 
Yeah, well, you know, usually as I read the words of Paul, my tendency is to imagine a courtroom setting, you know, where we can confidently stand in front of the judge, God the Father, because we have been declared justified by his son. But, you know, when when you read that verse, verse 2, you know, more often I actually think of the setting of a king's throne room, you know, which is much more common actually in the Bible throughout the Old Testament. Specifically, you know, Paul is telling us that we can confidently stand in the presence of the king with access to Amen. the king, just yeah. like Nehemiah did, or Esther did, or Daniel, or Joseph. They all stood confidently in front of the king. And because God's throne room in heaven, in a spiritual sense, you know, we have access to the heavenly places. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that is that is not a legal courtroom type of setting. That is a kingly throne room right there. Yeah, and in Hebrews chapter 10, it says something just similar, where he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest yeah. by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Mm. So when his flesh was torn, mm. the veil of the temple was torn, mm-hmm. and showing that there's an access mm-hmm. into the presence of God. And it's like we are like the high priest. Mm. I mean, in Israel, yeah. ancient Israel, there was only one man, mm-hmm. one day a year, mm-hmm. who could go into that holy place through that holy veil into that most holy place yeah but he's saying that in jesus we live there mm, we have and we're anytime. anchored mm. to christ so good into that holy place mm-hmm. what a standing what a pathway we have by the grace of god and and recently micah we visited the mount vernon mm-hmm. the george washington home and or Maybe you have you ever visited a presidential palace like that, or a place where kings or presidents lived or ruled, and and you know you kind of get access, or yeah. how you get access to a king or a president or something like that. Do yeah. you have a, a story like that? Yeah. Well, there was a cold January morning about two years ago when I went to the Capitol building in Washington oh. D.C., <laughs> but I didn't go yeah. inside. I didn't have access. <laughs> oh, but, oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, that's good. You didn't go inside. <laughs> But Don't confess ago. that here on the air. No, I'm just kidding. no, Pastor. But several years ago, I did have the opportunity to go to China for on a work trip, and one of the highlights was visiting the Forbidden City in Beijing. And for those who are unfamiliar, the Forbidden City—it's a 600-year-old complex that served as an imperial palace for 24 emperors in China, and it's the world's largest palace, filled with gardens and temples. And it was at the center of political power and religious rituals for five centuries. So. Yeah. As I was yeah. thinking about it this week, you know, the question that came to my mind is, why is it called the Forbidden City? And so I, I, looked, I had a hunch, but I looked it up, and it's because it was forbidden to any ordinary person. Yeah. You know, even low-level rulers in China at that time could not enter. It was completely right. exclusive. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's such a contrast because God's throne of grace is not forbidden to us. Paul tells us that we can stand because we have access. And he says it a different way in Ephesians three eleven through 12, and I'll just read those two verses 
according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have bold, boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. It's true. I mean, think of the how difficult it is to gain access to someone in power in our own government. Mm-hmm. I mean, even a state senator, even a state assemblyman. Yeah. I mean, just call and try to reach them. You, you wouldn't <laughs> be able to reach them, no. much less the mayor of the city. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong. I'm just right. saying that they... That it's very difficult to get access to a a, a senator of you know a, 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 a senator who represents us in Washington or, or much less the the president of yeah. you, just call the president hey yeah, yeah, president <laughs> Biden I'd like to visit you today yeah it's not going to work no. and like when we went to Mount Vernon a couple uh, weeks ago it was interesting when he would receive guests for his real famous guests mm-hmm. he had a special waiting room for the less influential there was like a second degree wait, waiting room oh, wow. and then yeah. for even the the common person is <laughs> you just wait here in the hallway yeah and uh, george will be with you in a moment you know but so, would, okay, so yeah. even to see just to see a man yeah there was like three different levels mm, of access, of, of yeah. access. Mm-hmm. but we all through jesus christ have the same opportunity mm, to go into God. the throne of grace as kings and yeah. priests yeah. of jesus mm. what a privilege yeah. isn't it maureen yes it is a great and privilege. yeah what a privilege we have in, in christ and, and it's amazing how we don't use our privilege of prayer no. really before mm. the grace of god but here in romans chapter 5 verse 2 maureen why is it important that we know where we are standing in this sin-cursed and broken world. Uh, so in this uh, sin-cursed and broken world, mm-hmm. we live in, it is crucial to understand where we stand. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. we stand in grace. And this means that through faith in Jesus, we have gained access to God's grace, like mm-hmm. we just said, yeah. and his undeserved kindness Mm -hmm. and it wasn't through our own efforts or righteousness that we were able to gain this position but it was in our trust in jesus and his work Mm -hmm. on the cross and standing on grace means that we have a relationship with god that is characterized by his abundant love his forgiveness and his acceptance and the ground on which we stand is in grace is solid it gives us a firm foundation for our faith and mm-hmm. identity as believers. And this solid ground of grace brings stability, security, peace mm-hmm. in the midst of uncertainties. Mm-hmm. And it also empowers us to live transformed lives. And grace empowers us to live in righteousness. It empowers us to stand against the walls of the devil. And so in this sin, curse, and broken mm. world that is marked by pain and suffering and con- the consequences of sin, knowing that we stand in grace reminds us that we are not defined by the brokenness around us. It yeah. gives us hope and perspective, allowing us to navigate the challenges and mm-hmm. the trials mm-hmm. um, and with confidence. Yeah. And, yeah. We, and we j- rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because it assures us of our future fulfillment of his promise uh, and it transforms us into having an intimate relationship with God. Yeah. So we rejoice in that. I mean, what a privilege. Yeah, real privilege. 
Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, we are in a think of think of like a broken world that you know, just just like I, I just picture a broken world. There's broken stuff. You're you're like standing there, and there's just broken glass and shattered steel. I mean, just think of nine eleven and mm-hmm. all the brokenness of that day. Mm-hmm. But still, we can go and stand where there's surety, where there's solid ground, mm-hmm. where there's grace. Yeah. And where we have the hope of glory. And I just love it when God puts grace and glory together. It says we stand in grace and we have the hope of glory. Mm. And God always puts grace before glory. Mm. Going from the old back into the new. It says the Lord will give grace and glory. So when we know the grace of God, we can experience the glory of God. Grace is is the riches of Jesus Christ at the expense of God, the blood of Christ shed for us on the cross, the power of his resurrection. And when you know the power of his death, the power of his resurrection by grace, you can experience glory. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, did you want to add to that? Um, Yeah, I was just thinking about what Mom said. And recently I've been in 1 and 2 Corinthians. And something I noticed is that every time Paul is exhorting them and telling them to um, keep on doing good works and Mm. keep on following Christ, he constantly reminds them um, that they are believers. He constantly reminds them who they are in Christ. Kind of over and over again, he says, you are who are in Christ. Mm. He says all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just reminds you that, like, that's what spurs you on mm. to continue in a broken world because if you don't know where you stand, yeah. you kind of just fall apart. You just, you know, you grow weary. You, you think, why am I doing all of this? But if you know who you are in Christ, um, you're much more ready and equipped. Mm. That's right. And and we're going to talk next in a moment, Micah. Uh, I know you want to sh- share something, but we're going to talk about how we have tribulations. Just because we've experienced grace and glory doesn't mean they're not trials and right. troubles in this world. Yeah. And so this is why we need to know where we're standing. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that it's important to know our standing within any relationship <laughs> to understand yeah. where we are, you know, whether it's our employment relationship, our family relationships, our uh you know, situation as a citizen of a country, you know, thankfully as believers, as Rebecca was saying, we can trust God's word to be sure of our standing in God's kingdom. And we can know that we're standing on a firm footing of mercy and grace. Amen. So our phone lines are open, dear friends, at 929-333-3739. If you'd like to either join the conversation or if you desire prayer tonight, you may call us right now at 929-333-3739. We do want to invite you to our revival meeting starting next Sunday. That will be June 18th. That's Father's Day. We'll have evangelist John Van Geldren with us beginning on Sunday at 490 Hudson Street in the heart of Greenwich Village, Manhattan. Come on out. Visit with us on this next Sunday coming up, 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. at 490 Hudson Street. And then we'll have services Monday through Friday at our Heritage Ministry office. You can go on to our website at hbcnyc.org, or you may call us for more information. We want to see you with us to visit with us. So we're talking about the certainty we have of eternal life and in Jesus Christ. We have the certainty of peace with God. We have a certain pathway to God to stand in His grace and experience His glory. And now, as we finish out the program tonight, let's talk about the certainty of power that we have through God. So, Rebecca, based on Romans chapter 5, verse 3, and let me read it. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And so... 
based on these verses, what do tribulations work out in our lives, and how can they mold us when we know where where we're standing in Christ? Um, yeah, so hard times and difficult circumstances can cause believers to have patience. I think God uses them mm. um, to give believers patience and to endure their trials and to trust in the Lord. Um, I remember, um, now I'm in Baltimore, Pastor, I'm sorry to break your heart, but (laughs) I do have another pastor in Baltimore who I also sit under his (laughs) preaching, and just one day he mentioned... But he's my friend, right? (laughs) He is your friend. Pastor Fleck? Yes, he mentions you a lot. He loves you and your your family. Um, But he just, I remember one thing he said one day, it really struck me, he was like, the more he talks to older believers, you can just see their trust in the Lord, and they always say, like, the more they look back on their lives, um, even the hard times, you know, at the time it felt really difficult, but the... Mm. The hard times, um, like, they all came together to show how God was using those times in their lives um, to orchestrate his plan, um, you know, to better the people around them and stuff. Um, I also recently started a new school, and so I have thankfully made a few friends, a good group of friends. I love them Mm. a lot. Mm. Um, But I think one of the things that was really hard was because, unlike undergrad, where it's a commuter school, so I didn't make a lot of friends there. I spend a lot of time with these people, and I love them dearly, but sadly most of them are not believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can it started to really break my heart because I would have these gospel conversations with them, um, and I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere or maybe they weren't, you know, trusting in the Lord. Um, and I was like, oh, but the gospel's right there, and I want them to believe. But mm-hmm. um, I think those times just, like, teach me to have patience that the Lord's timing is best. Um, and that the Lord will save them in his time, not my own. Yeah. Um, so it teaches me to have patience and trust in the Lord. And thankfully, I, I can I can hope in God who for sure wants them to be saved more than I could ever want them to be saved. That's right. That's right. And he did the work to save them. And so we have to trust him. And, you know, the glory and tribulations, it doesn't mean that we boast about our problems. Does no. it? I mean, it's not like, oh, great, I'm in a trial. Isn't this I'm just having so much fun <laughs> in this trouble. Yeah. No, that's not it. But the idea of it is that we have this inner tenacity. Mm. We have a boldness, and we have a determination, even when we're in trials, to go to God. Yeah. And we can trust Him and depend on Him. So we have a caller tonight, Micah, Brother Leon, one of our faithful men of, the, of Heritage. Leon, if you could turn your radio down, and what's on your heart tonight that you could share this evening? Well, I must confirm, Pastor, uh, today's message uh, was a good self-examination of where you stand with Christ, of course, as a preacher this morning. And um, your message on the radio does remind me and all of us that um, we serve a risen Savior, you know. And um, whatever you said there is written in the Word of God, of course. You know, like um, in First John 5.13, he said that, um, that we would know, you know, we would know that we have eternal life, you know, yes. and um, it's actually everything evidently there's scripture to support what you're stating. But I wanted you to pray for me specifically because during the last few months, I couldn't give up. But I knew that I was walking with God, even if I miss fellowship and I miss sometimes being in the presence of God's people, I recognize that the amount of doubts that the enemy chewed at me, uh, just uh, losing a brother and then a father, Mm-hmm. That could have really changed a lot of what I think about God. But I said, you know what? As Paul reminded us, that the trial of our feet, work at patience. And then I said to myself, I would cry. I would shed tear. I would grieve over the moments. But I would use this as an opportunity to just stay focused and 
God is in the in the midst of me, and of course my supported family there. And um, mm-hmm. I just know that I have to walk with God and let God do, do the, the miracle of just making me overcome it. So you must go through trial. You must remember that if you're serving God, you can't give up because God is not a, a, a temporary fix on you. He's permanent, and that's what we talk about salvation is not if you say, but you know you say when you're walking with God, and you know God is really walking, you know, living in you. I don't Amen. Believe in you. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Our salvation isn't just a temporary fix it to, to our immediate problem, but salvation is an eternal, uh, eternal relationship that 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 transforms us into ultimately our greatest problem is we need to be transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, mm. and only He can do that. Thank you, Leon, for calling tonight. God bless you, brother. We appreciate it. You keep strong in the Lord. Micah? Oh, well, I was just going to even uh, react to Leon. You know, our radio listeners don't know, but he has been going through a trial the last yeah. several weeks. His brother died, and then just a week or two after that, his father died. Yeah. And Leon, for you as a testimony to just come on the air and say that, you know, you you are going through that trial, but you can look back at all the things God has done, knowing that He has gotten you through before, and and so you are standing firm in the promises, the grace, and the mercy of God. Thank you for sharing that testimony. That was powerful. Yeah, Amen. We appreciate you, brother Leanne, and we love you and your family. So, Mike, as we come down to the end of this passage, we're looking at tonight in verses four and five. How how do you see tribulations mature us as Christians? Yeah, you know, it's there's a there's a process, right? It talks about this process, meaning in order for someone to truly understand something, sometimes they have to go through it themselves. You know, verse 4 and 5, they say, to get to that place of full confidence in the Lord, we have to go through step by step. First, we endure the tribulations, and then while we do, God is working patience in us. And then we come out of those tribulations, we have this experience under our belts, and then as we have survived and thrived despite tribulations, that produces hope in us, which brings us to the place where we are confident, courageous, and mm. bold, not ashamed of our Lord and the journey he has brought us through. In fact, the journey is actually precious to us at that point. Amen. Praise the Lord. And these verses are, just think of all the thousands, millions of people who have been encouraged with these verses that through Jesus Christ, patience works out experience in our lives. And when we, when we experience the goodness of God, the grace of God, then it gives us hope. You know, when we go through one, let's say we go through one financial trial, and God brings us through and he meets that need. And then we have a next financial trial. Well, God took care. God saw me through that last one. I know he'll lead me through this one. And so we can get stronger and stronger Mm. as we trust God from trial to trial. And we grow in faith to faith and from grace to grace and glory to glory. So, Maureen, as we close it out tonight in Romans 5, verse 5, Paul introduces us to the third person of the Godhead really for the first time in the book of Romans. And we see that by the Holy Spirit, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts. So how does the Holy Spirit work in your life in a personal way based on this promise of God? You only have about 30 seconds. God's love um, teaches us how to love other people. And to in our difficulties, when we we experience difficulty, His love for us teaches us to love others. Mm -hmm. So... um, and um, God's Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of love mm. and to keep us focused on Christ and following His commandments. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Shed abroad. 
And may the Lord continue to give you grace and strength, Rebecca, as you continue studying to be a great dentist. I need a lot of dental help, so <laughs> maybe you'll give some, give some good, good deals to your pastor <laughs> if I'm ever your pastor again. You, no, I'm just kidding. Still are <laughs> Micah, always great to be with you. Thanks, Thank Pastor. you, Maureen. God bless you all. Yep. Dear friends, be certain in Jesus Christ and good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage